0: My name is Michael Cox from the Communications Office at the University of Warwick. Today I'm talking to Dr Bill Crofts from the Department of Engineering and Kenneth Young, an engineering student, about their involvement in the designing and building of power supply systems for a moon orbiting satellite. Firstly, Bill, can you give an overview of the Student Space Exploration and Technology Initiative and the European Student Moon Orbiter Satellite Project that these power supply systems are going to be for?
1: Yes, the uh, European Space Agency, uh, under this, uh, uh, their kind of education projects division, um, are running a number of missions. Uh the first of which was launched last year, that, that was a low-Earth orbit uh, sort of satellite, which was really a pilot mission, just to kind of um, you know, see how the, how it would work as a system with student teams working on it. And it was relatively, relatively successful. Um, there is currently a sort of second mission going on where they want to put... Um, they're working on putting a, a satellite into a, a geostationary Earth orbit. But Mission 3, which is called ESMA, which is the European Student Moon Orbiter, is the one that we're involved with, which is to um, put a satellite in orbit around the Moon.
0: Can you describe the part of the satellite that Warwick students will be working on?
1: OK, um... Well, essentially, to sort of give the full story, when uh, we we became involved uh, last year, it it, it turned out that uh, they didn't have a a, a team within the ESA organisation to work specifically on the on the electrical power supply systems, and uh, so uh, I'd made contact with Dr. Roger Walker at um, at the ESA, who um, was very keen that we would uh, get involved and put a team in, and. Subsequently he also put us in touch with the University of Southampton with their Astronautics Research Centre because they specialise in electric, electric propulsion thrusters which are a, a sort of an alternative to standard sort of chemical rockets. And uh, th- they themselves also have very specialised uh, electric power supply requirements. And so he was quite keen that we would work in both areas, that, th- that is the general power supply system, including solar panels and all the rest of it, uh, for the satellite, plus the specialised requirements for the, these uh, electric propulsion thrusters that we're doing in uh, collaboration with Southampton University. And uh, what sort
0: of technology is it that you're actually working on? Um, we,
2: well, for the electrical um, electrical um, power system, we actually are involved with the solar panels and the power processing unit as well as the battery. So it's a whole complete system. It's the heart of Esmol, basically. So we supply power to all the subsystem inside Esmol throughout the whole mission. And
0: what kind of challenges do you think you're you going to face during this process? Right. Well,
2: I'm not sure what we're going to face, but uh, what yeah. we have faced is uh, getting to know the whole space of our environment during the mission, because we have to learn for, from basics, basically. Yeah. We have to learn space uh, analysis, <coughs> mission analysis of trajectory and orbital mechanics. It, it's... Um, I
1: was going to say that this first team have had a really difficult job because they're starting right from scratch. Many of the other uh, teams which are mainly based in mainland Europe universities uh, have got previous experience and most of them if not all of them are are a mix of um, postgraduate and undergraduate students. Whereas this is an undergraduate project for us at the moment, but it's going to become postgraduate as well. But they've had to start from scratch, so so they've had a huge amount of information to learn about all this this sort of technology and all the sort of uh, terminology that's used by the uh, European Space Agency, and of course they've had to liaise with them and with all the other project teams as well. And so it's been a big job for them to get off the ground. And the key thing as well for us at the moment has been um, uh, getting sponsorship because um, it's not sponsored in, in financial or equipment terms by the ESA. So we have a big job to do as well in actually you know, getting sponsorship in terms of funding and or equipment and technical assistance. And, and they've made huge strides in that area to, to really get us off the ground. Is that
0: something that you're still looking for, then, for the financial backing? We're we're
2: constantly looking for more financial backing as well as as equipment, you know, free equipment. If a company wants to sponsor us for um, free solar cells, then that would be great. Again, they're very expensive in terms of space applications?
1: Well, one of the things that, that uh, crops up is the fact that uh, um, if you're going to have anything that goes into a live space mission, it has to be space validated, and that, that's, that's a very high standard, very high specification, you know, probably even more than military specification. And um, even what would normally be a very simple, cheap electronic device, if it's going to go into a, a live space flight, it can cost you know, vast amounts of money to get it actually space-validated, to be up to the sort of level that can be used in that sort of environment but
0: presumably it would be good publicity for any company involved so Yes, they'd send mm-hmm. their equipment
1: up there with your, That's with your right. project. right, yeah. We, we already have some you know, good companies involved. I mean, Talis um, Research and Development UK have been one of the first companies. They're not particularly in that area, but they're just quite keen to, to be linked to it. <clears throat> and so they're, they're providing some financial support at the moment. And uh, they have said that if we have problems with specific things that we might require, they 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 would um, look at any proposal we put forward. So so they've been quite helpful. Another company who've been particularly helpful so far with technical assistance, but uh, also may help us with, well, will help us with specific equipment, is uh, ABSL Power Products, who are uh, particularly involved with the the batteries which is a key area because they're, they're the kind of world leaders in uh, lithium-ion batteries for uh, use in space missions and so on. I don't know if Kenneth might want to say a bit more about that, but uh, they, they've been quite helpful with information when you've had links with the SA, they're, haven't they? They actually,
2: um, they've promised to give us free batteries, which is a really big boost for our team. Um, for in, t- in terms of solar panels and solar cells, we, ESMO hasn't really found the sponsorship yet, but... Um, we're in talking with uh, SSTL Surrey Satellite Technology and, and um they we're, we're in discussion with them to um create a solar panel just for Esmo and you know it's going really well on their part what sort of
0: time scales are we looking at how long is the duration of of this project and when's it going to
2: actually be launched um the whole mission should well, hopefully will be done in 5 years and it'll be launched in 2011 well, that is the hope. Um, we're, we're currently in Phase 8 right now, which is the feasibility studies. And um, in April, ESA will make a decision to go for either solar electric propulsion or chemical propulsion. And then in July, then they'll decide to, to, um, to make a decision on whether to go or no go into Phase B, where we'll actually start defining the whole SMO system.
1: It's uh, an interesting point, actually, th- th- this decision as to whether they go with uh, with conventional chemical rockets or, w- or with this uh, electric uh, propulsion thruster, because um, effectively what, what happens is it, it, if they go with a, 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 a conventional chemical rocket, it, it's, it's put into Earth orbit by presumably an Ariane or possibly a Soyuz rocket, and that would be launched from the, uh, the ESA's launching site in uh, French Guiana and uh, it then, from a standard Earth orbit, is more or less flown directly to the Moon and put into a Moon orbit if it's a standard rocket. If they go for the electric propulsion option, um, what happens with that is that, uh, of course, it doesn't need to take, as it were, rocket fuel with it. It, it, It's getting its energy from the solar panels, from the supply that the students will design. And so that then goes into a very uh, elliptical, low-Earth orbit, and it gradually increases. It uses the main electric propulsion thruster to gradually increase its orbit over a period of weeks or months even and then eventually it picks up a moon orbit and it's put into moon orbit Then and and then it's just controlled by smaller what they call attitude controllers which are also uh, electric propulsion design but the the benefit of that is that it can take a much bigger payload in terms of instrumentation and and whatever scientific equipment they want to take whereas the faster option with the chemical rockets can take much less so that's what they're going to have to look at when they make the decision.
2: I think an example of that was a smart one satellite that was launched last. No, it was um, the end of the mission was last year, and um, they used solar electric proportion as well. Will there be
0: further involvement with Warwick students? Obviously, at the moment you're in preliminary stages, but mm. it's being a five year project. Do you, do you see this? Um
1: well, well, we hope so because. Um Effectively, th- th- this is part of a sort of a quite a major sort of project uh, within the electrical ele- electronic engineering division in the school of engineering, where within our power electronics group under uh, Professor Phil Morby, um, that there's a lot of w- uh, research work being done to do with modern um, power electronic devices. Um, particularly they have an interest in developing silicon carbide devices which is a fairly new material to use for semiconductor power control. In the space mission that has particular advantage because um, it, it uh, is much less susceptible to damage by radiation whereas normal uh, silicon type devices you know, c- can be damaged and uh, be difficult to use in that sort of environment. And so w- we hope to have... Um, expertise in the not too distant future for any area where power supplies are used in harsh environments which could be military or, or aerospace or, or obviously other space missions and so on for example even with the the link with Southampton um, because they have previous experience of developing these uh, electric propulsion thruster devices and they have links with um, uh, an Italian satellite that's due to be launched within the next year or two And they're looking at a particular pulsed plasma type thruster device, which also has specialised power supply requirements. And uh, there's a possibility we may get involved with that. So yeah, we're hoping to build up this whole area of uh, specialism in, if, if you like, power supplies working in harsh environments.
0: So it be certainly a possibility for future students coming to the university oh, yeah. to get involved yeah. with
1: projects such as this. Yeah, I mean another good point to make with this is, is that uh, that Kenneth and, and the team who are working here now are, are fourth year students working on an MENG group project so it's part of their course and many of the other student teams in other universities in mainland Europe and so on are often doing it almost as a kind of a hobby, I think that's true to say isn't yeah. it it's not necessarily part, and the ESA of course are very keen that if students can are going to do this that that it can be built in. They actually get course credit for it, and the fact that we're able to do that at Warwick is it's quite a significant thing. So um, yeah, so, so there will be other fourth-year MNG groups that will follow on from this group. But everybody who works on the project will remain as part of the team, even though they graduated and so on. That they'll still have access to the website and so on, so they can track it and see how it's going. And maybe even on occasions we'll be wanting to contact them, you know, to ask advice and, or information. But, yeah, that's right, yeah. yes, that's right. So, um yeah, so it's quite good from that point of view. And, and in, in a sense, we're trying to make the sponsors feel a bit like that as well. They're also part of the team and that they, they have access to information on the website and so on.
0: Can you comment at all on um, what you... What, what the mission possibly hopes to find out when it's sent to the moon.
1: OK, well, the, um, at the moment, because it's a feasibility study, um, a lot of this is still slightly sort of up in the air, to use an unusual pun. But uh, uh, certainly they're, they're hoping to take a, a high-resolution, narrow-angle CCD camera for optical imaging of the of the lunar surface. And other options that they're looking at in, in the payload is possibly a, a LiDAR detector. That That's something that uses a, a pulsed laser uh, sort of light and it, it detects the, the sort of almost like a time of flight thing that um, they, can, they can use it to measure ob- uh, um, objects at a great distance or measure moving objects and so on. They can actually when there's an atmosphere, obviously there isn't on the moon, but if it's in earth orbit they can use it for things like measuring wind speeds and, ver- and weather predictions and things like that. Um, they're also looking at a, an infrared hyperspectral imaging device and also interestingly a sort of a mini subsurface sounding Radar, which is going to look because the, the orbit that the satellite will go in is a kind of a polar orbit around the moon, and they're actually going to look and see if there is the possibility of any uh, water or ice being detected, you know, near the sort of poles of the moon. So that'll be part of what it does. There's
2: also um, possibility um, of a CubeSat that's being made mm. by the Canadian teams, and they hope it's a really small satellite, literally. Ten centimeter by ten centimeter, and it'll be launched from ESMO, and it'll go around the moon and map the gravity of the moon. Mm.
1: It actually uses a sort of like a correspondence between the moon surface and the, and the the main ESMO satellite that it's de- it's been detached from. There's kind of a link. It's like a tri- triangulation type sort of method that it's going to use. So that's another possibility as well.
2: In- interesting enough, um, ESMO has actually int- uh, attracted um, attention from America as well, and they. The American, NASA, has uh, established uh, a team called ASMO, (laughs) A-S-M-O, and uh, they're hoping to be launched at the same time as ASMO, and they'll be going to the moon as well. And um, they're hoping, with ASMO, to create the first internet on the moon, an IP communication between satellites. So um, the teams are really working hard to achieve that right now.
1: I mean that, that's quite a statement in a sense to, to, th- to think that NASA are actually quite jealous of what ESA are doing <laughs> and rather than just do their own they're actually trying to come in on the NASA one, on the ESA one but the idea of these two satellites possibly talking to each other and so on is, is obviously quite exciting that's a bit outside of our, our uh, scope obviously but uh, it's a possibility so we'll see what happens What does happen to these satellites once they've completed what they're sent to do? Well, essentially, and this is going to be the same, I think, for a a number of these satellites, it it sounds odd, but they're literally going to be crashed into the surface, but... um uh, that provides actually very useful function because the satellite is, is uh, obviously heavily designed. There are heavy constraints on all sorts of areas of, of what goes into the satellite. And, of course, most things have, have got a, a limited life meant, meant to last for the, 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 the planned period of the, of the mission. So, really, there's not a lot more it can do once it reaches the end of its life. So, uh, But the idea is that it will crash into... Probably, into one of the polar regions you know where, where there 's this uh, possibility of there being sort of uh, polar ice maybe under the surface and so on, and I think it 's planned to to um, uh, impact uh, the polar region at around two kilometers per second and then it will be observed from from the earth, you know, from telescopes and so on and they'll look at the kind of plume that's produced by this impact and they can also detect from that, I guess using spectral imaging or whatever they'll use some techniques to see in fact whether there's any signs of ice and so on that comes up in the in the plume that's produced by the impact
2: Actually, um, that's what happens with SMART-1 as well at the end, they smash into the moon but uh, I think what ESA wants to achieve is that one of the satellites, either a- asthma or asthma, will smash into the moon and the other will film it. Ah, <laughs> so,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. So
2: that'll be more interesting, I think.
1: Oh, I should point out, it's quite interesting as well as part of this. I mean, th- coming back to the idea of what, of what the students are actually getting out of it, I mean, for them it's huge because, I mean, the, the, they can put on their CV that they've actually worked on you know, designing technology that's going into a live space flight. So that's a major thing. There's very few students can put that on their CV when they graduate. Um, But uh, Kenneth and one of our other guys, uh, Sebastian, uh, have both been to uh, ESTEC in Holland for a week, where the ESA headquarters is, and they've worked on what they call their concurrent design facility where all the teams get together and they, you know, compare notes effectively and they give presentations and, and so on. So that's been a great experience for them. And also, Kenneth is now uh, working part-time at Kinetic uh, on a a satellite-related project uh, for which Kinetic are funded by the European Space Agency. And um, he might want to tell you a bit more about it. But effectively, they're they're looking at a previous mission plan to see what they can learn that, that can be used possibly in the ESMO mission.
0: Is, is the aim of of the project or one of the aims of the project then to encourage
1: students to go into careers and or research in mm. these areas it is yeah well i mean th- th- there's been a gradual decline in electronics well some might say more than gradual <laughs> decline in electronics applicants uh, and there have been a number of electrical electronic engineering departments that have actually closed in some universities and um Uh, we don't know exactly why this is we we tend to assume that because most students see electronics as being something to do with like a mobile phone or whatever and it sits a bit sort of out of their reach somebody in Japan designs it and You know, they they, they perhaps don't see necessarily um, the sort of opportunities that are actually around. Whereas in this area of power electronics, it's relatively quite new, quite a lot of the sort of work that's going on. There's a lot of very interesting applications that we're involved with. For example, our power electronics group has got uh, links with Toyota, and uh, they're looking at uh, working on hybrid car designs and so on. And in fact, there is already a very interesting um, Warwick um, ICAST, you know, with with a video that's uh, already on the Warwick website where Professor <laughs> Phil Morby is, is talking about this link with Toyota and so on. So, yeah, we, we, we really want to get the message out to any uh, potential students who might be interested in electronics that there is a lot of very exciting, interesting work going on. You know, electronics isn't just to do with mobile phones and computers and so on. And, uh, and also through that to show them that there are a lot of uh, opportunities because most of these companies, and we're also in negotiation with Smith Aerospace, at the moment, most of these companies partly want to get involved because they want good graduate students, and for them, it's a, it's a way of not just publicising themselves but actually getting good graduates. And so, uh, there are you know, we're already getting job offers coming from these companies, even at this very early stage.
0: Kenneth, can you just talk about how you've obviously found the project in terms of an experience and what you've got out of it?
2: Oh, I, what's, I have to say, is it was a very amazing experience. Um, one of the advantages is that you get to work with a whole bunch of European students across Europe. I mean, I'm working with <coughs> Polish students on tele- on communications, and I'm working with French students on structures, and we all communicate through the internet. And, and when we went, when we go to Aztec to uh, do this workshop in um, Holland, it's it's amazing to see all these students just working together to build a spacecraft, and I don't think it's ever been done before in terms of going to the moon. And um, <clears throat> it's definitely, definitely uh, a great learning experience. Was a chance to do a
0: project like this something that influenced your decision to come and study engineering here at Warwick? Did you, Were you
2: aware of it when you applied? Well, don't, it was four years ago. That, yeah. No, mm. it wasn't. But uh, I think students that are coming in now, if they see this project, and also there, there is another project coming along, possibly, called the Moon rover project. Asmo moon module, um rover and um hopefully depending on um the success of ESMO they're ho- hoping to um make a moon rover by students and put it put it on the moon just like just like any other moon landing but done by students and never been done before. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, very hard to achieve I think.
0: What, what do you think is possibly next for our students? I mean, we have them, we've got them building race cars and robot footballers, and now they're sending things to the moon. Is there any other projects that we might not have thought about that you think might be in the pipeline?
1: Well we're certainly open for for suggestions and of course the thing is once you start out on a road like this I mean even within the last week or so the amount of publicity that we're now getting and people that are ringing up you know, wanting to do various activities and get us involved with things Uh, only today we had a call from the the IET that's the the former IEE who uh, are putting on some kind of event uh, that's going to be held in the Ricoh Stadium in Coventry um, next year and they're asking us to put um, a stand on and put some sort of demonstration and maybe some kind of activity thing on to to get students interested. Um, So, yeah, there's lots of things that that, that do come out of it. And, of course, the the thing tends to snowball, so we we don't yet know. Obviously, you have to be a little bit careful. You can't take on more than you can handle because we're already involved with quite a lot. But certainly it's exciting and it motivates people. And um, uh, so, yeah, I mean, there could be any other possibilities that come out of it. And really, once we build up the, the, the basic expertise... The range of applications that it could go into, you know, could be quite extensive, maybe even things we haven't even thought of yet, so that, that's what we're hoping for. The, 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 I think the key thing is to build up the expertise, you know, get get ourselves well known through being involved in these kind of very high-profile projects, um, and then from that recruit good students you know better students more students who want to work in this area and make sure that when they come here they get a good experience and they want to stay in engineering and make sure that we have uh, we use all these links to actually help them get into good jobs as well so the whole package comes together and multiplies and yeah, you know, that's really what we're after
0: so it's a good all-round experience really. yes
1: yes we hope so yes yeah
0: in terms of um i guess space exploration in general we're talking about this project is sending a satellite to the moon but can you comment at all on what humankind's short and and long-term goals are in terms of space travel i mean what are we trying to do at the moment
1: Yes, it's, that's a difficult one, isn't it? I mean, um, it, it seems that, that for some time, since the Americans were... Uh, and, and also the, the people will remember the American and Russian space race to get a man into space. And then, of course, there was the thing about the, you know, the, the first moon landings. And obviously the Americans dominated that and had several moon landings. And then it all seemed to go a bit quiet on that front. And um, it seemed that... Um, that people kind of lost interest in that, it almost got a bit boring and, uh, and of course as the telecoms thing and so on all increased quite significantly uh, the, the, there seemed to be much more interest in, in uh, what we could actually do in space in terms of satellites and obviously you know, TV and all the rest of it uh, has been the key thing but now there seems to be quite a resurgence in interest again in um, uh, actually you know, getting people in space more and exploring more uh, obviously things like uh, space stations and countries uh, liaising to build these these things uh, and possibly um, uh, stations on the moon which would be a, a, a major sort of um, uh, base for further exploration into, into into deeper space and so on. And so it looks as if there's much more interest in that all, all reviving again and I seem to, to pick up by odd things I've seen in the press and so on that even within this country and we, we've kind of kept out of it uh, since one or two early disasters with I think it was Blue Streak and one or two things like that. But there seems to be a bit of uh, pressure in one or two areas, to, you know, for the UK to get a bit more involved in uh, not just sort of um, you know, sort of space technology generally, but possibly even um, you know putting people into space and so on. Either of you fancy actually going into space? <laughs> not me personally.
2: <laughs> no comments. Or... <laughs> yeah
1: this is a very unique thing you know for for students to be involved with i mean there are very few students i think anywhere who in engineering you know who are going to have the opportunity to to say they've been involved in this kind of work and um we do really want to get the message out that we're very keen you know to to for students to come into here not just to feel they're going going through the motions to get a degree but they really are going to have some good experience and of course one of the key things within engineering is that um you know, we're a school of engineering here at Warwick, and that means that we don't uh, have uh, separate, discrete departments. You know, so so if you like, our electrical, electronic division, a uh, civil and mechanical division, and so on, manufacturing, we we all work together, and. Um, in that sense, it means the kind of uh, group that Ken is working in now for his fourth year MENG project is trying to emulate as close as possible the way that project teams actually work in industry, because all, practically all real world projects are multidisciplinary. You know, you hardly ever get just an electronics guy working on his own or, or whatever. Um, almost any project you could think of in the real world involves a, a combination of disciplines, and so that's one thing that we specialise in here at Warwick, and um, that's the kind of experience that we want students to have, which is why we're pursuing the, you know, the, the, this kind of project activity.
0: OK, Bill, Kenneth, thank you very much. Thank, thank
1: you. you.